We're going to be picking up where we left off last week in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And we've been seeing Paul for the last few chapters. He's been tying together this response from the Holy Spirit about the meat offered unto idols. But we saw him talking about several different subjects as he tied them in. And this morning, as we're in the last part of chapter 10, is really going to be the crescendo as he ties it all together for these super important principles. And not only is he going to be speaking to the Corinthian church in the first century, he's going to be speaking to us directly as believers and to the church at large. We're going to see that Paul is going to come right back to the initial issue of talking about meat offered unto idols, but we're going to take off from there as we see his initial point. So let's begin with a word of prayer, and then we're going to read verses 14 through 17 together. Lord, I I know that you have a, a word specifically from this text for each and every one of us. And I pray that we would apply this to our lives, Lord, as we leave this place, that we would apply it to our walk with you, and that you would reset us and refocus us on the things that really matter, to set us in right order, and that your will would be accomplished in our lives. And so, Father, we want to thank you in advance for the work you'll be doing here this morning through your word, and pray that you would speak to us, and that you would empower us with your spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's read together verses 14 through 17 of chapter 10. Therefore, my beloved... Flee from idolatry. I speak as to wise men. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not communion of the body of Christ? For we, though many, are one bread and one body, for we all partake of that one bread. So he, he is speaking specifically of the agape feast, this love feast, which is when they would celebrate communion, that fellowship with God, the bread and the, the fruit of the vine, partaking of that and fellowshipping with God. But he is ultimately bringing it all back to our fellowship with Christ, that the whole purpose for us being here and the whole purpose for the Corinthians to gather together was the gospel. It was preaching and teaching the good news of Jesus Christ, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. And it was about having fellowship with our creator, that God, through Jesus Christ, made a way for us to have a personal relationship with God, his presence. Now, he's going to bring all the focus back on the Lord. Are we not partakers of this communion, he's saying? Flee from idolatry. Just, Just get away from it. Earlier in the chapter and previously, he had said, Flee from sexual immorality or fornication. And we're to flee from those things, anything that gets in the way of us serving God. And remember, in the last few chapters, he, he would use illustrations like he should be receiving financial um, recompense, financial support from the church, but he decided not to use it. Why? For others' sake. Not to be prideful in himself, but to share the gospel. He didn't want to hinder anyone. And so when he's coming back to this subject of eating meat unto idols, he says, just get away from it, just flee it. And who do we flee to? We flee to the Lord. It is 100% a focus on our Lord Jesus. Jesus tells us in John chapter 4, verses 6 through 9, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. 
And Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is sufficient for us. Jesus said, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? For who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? You know, Philip asked that question. Just show it to us. Just, just prove it to me. Just prove it to me. And that is the root of the problem. We are the problem. The Corinthian church was divided between those that thought they were intellectually uh, better off because they knew that there was no God and the false gods and that eating meat offered unto idols was nothing. Then you had the other part of the church that was saying, oh, you don't care about anyone else. You're, you're worshiping these false gods. You're partaking in it. How can you support that and represent God? We saw earlier in the Corinthian church, they had been dividing themselves from who their teacher was, and they wanted to be known by their teacher. And we saw that as well. We're, we're told to flee sexual immorality because they had been partaking of it. Flee from idolatry because that was all around them. And Paul, through the Holy Spirit, is bringing it all back. The whole purpose of us gathering together is to be in fellowship and communion with God. And we have that through the Lord. And just as Philip asked that question, just prove it to us, he's showing to us that in our flesh dwells no good thing. That we are the problem. The Corinthian church was divided because of their flesh. Brings me to the most important st story of the day. Just kidding. Yesterday, I'm at home, and I just had a hankering. You guys know what a hankering is? For donuts. I'm too lazy to go get the donuts, though, so what do I do? I shame my wife into going to go get them. You know, I didn't force her. I didn't shove the keys into her, but I was like, if you really love me, you give me some donuts. You know, just really laying on the shame. So, praise the Lord, she brought the donuts with the chocolate milk because she knows what's up. And I got the kids gathered together around, and we're cutting those things off, and we're sampling them, and we're eating all the donuts. How do you feel after you eat a dozen donuts? Not good. I'm going to tell you, not good. While you're eating them, they're delicious. Delicious. Oh, man, that was a real hankering. And then this morning, I get up, my knees hurt, my joints are swollen. Terrible. And I knew what I was doing. But what drove me to do that? The flesh, the desires of the flesh. And, you know, we're using something silly like donuts. We're using something that we can laugh at. But what is it that drives us to want to have that sip of alcohol, to smoke the marijuana, to partake of fornication? What is it? about those things that are drawing us away. We, we know that the Corinthian church was full of problems. We're full of problems because we are the problem. It's our desires. It's, it's our fallen nature. We're to wrestle against it. And Paul here, as he's wrapping up this subject, says we need to focus on the Lord. We need to have communion with God. You see, when Philip's walking with the Lord, all the problems are solved by the Lord. And when you have communion with God, it is hard to worship and fellowship with the Lord and be reading and still be driven by those fleshly desires, still be tempted. It's hard to be serving others and then trying to serve yourself. What are those things and what are these problems and what is eating meat off of the idols when you have communion with the true and the living God? when you have fellowship with the God of the universe, the creator of all things, 
And we have that through Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. And Paul is saying when we partake, when we have communion, we are not God, but God dwells in us through the Holy Spirit. We have fellowship with him. And Jesus would say in Matthew chapter 6, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. But not many people quote the very next verse. Verse 34, therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. I uh, also brought this morning a, one of my favorite prophecies. It's in Malachi chapter 1. <clears throat> and it's going to um, highlight this tension between us and our flesh and fellowship with God. And in Malachi chapter 1, verse 6, God is speaking through the prophet Malachi to the priest specifically in the Old Testament. It says, a son honors his father and a servant his master. If then I am the father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my reverence, says the Lord of hosts. To you priests who despise my name, yet you say, in what way have we despised your name? You offer defiled food on my altar, but say, in what way have we defiled you? By saying the table of the Lord is contemptible. And when you offer the blind as a sacrifice, is it not evil? And when you offer the lame and sick, is it not evil? Offer it then to your governor. Would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? And I, I believe here in verse 9, this is where it really starts to take off. But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us. While this is being done by your hands, will he accept you favorably, says the Lord of hosts? Who is there among you who would shut the doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hands. For from the rising of the sun, even to its going down, my name shall be great among the Gentiles. In every place, incense shall be offered to my name and a pure offering. For my name shall be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. We'll work backwards. That Verse 11 is fulfilled today. Here we are on another continent in another millennia, and we are worshiping God together and all throughout the world today. In every country, there's a faithful remnant where people are worshiping him. Coming to the Holy of Holies through Jesus Christ, our great high priest. There's a future prophecy here that in the millennial kingdom, the whole world will worship him. Every tongue will confess, every knee will bow. But did you catch that part there? My pastor uh, back at Calvary Chapel, Lompo, called together after a Sunday night service, the elders and the pastors together. And he shared that verse. It said, who among you would close the doors? Did you guys catch that? Like, what, what does that mean? We don't speak like that. What God was saying was, it would be better to shut the church down than to offer false offerings to God. It would be, it would be better just to close the temple itself if we're offering these false, half-hearted fallen offering. So if we go all the way back, what was happening? If you've been with us on Wednesday, you've seen this law in Deuteronomy where you were to offer the very best that you had. You couldn't offer anything that was off goods or damaged. But at this time in Malachi, the priests had begun to offer lame, maimed, broken, cast off offerings to God. 
And so God's speaking to Malachi, and he says, through Malachi to the, to the priests, would you give this to the king? Would you give this to your governor? Would you give this to an important person? No, you wouldn't do that. And that's when he says that, hey, it would be better to close it all down. What does that have to do with 1 Corinthians? And what did that have to do with Pastor Mark? Pastor Mark was showing us, those that were leaders in that fellowship, that if our whole heart wasn't to God, if this wasn't dedicated to God, if we weren't interested in communion with God, it better just shut the place down. Why do we even come to church? You see, how do we tie this back to Corinthians? It's the Corinthians were self-centered. It was about them, what they were going to get. What were they doing? How were other people treating them? How were they acting? Paul is saying, our communion, our fellowship is on God. Our worship is for the Lord. We should be focused on him. And Jesus said, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And if you have seen the Father, you've seen him. What, what am I trying to say? How do we wrap this all up? The problem with the church is the people in the church. We are the problem. You bring all the problems with you. There's no problems here when you, when you guys don't come. Now, I praise God for the problems we have. I praise God for them. But so many times, we are desiring in our flesh, and we want to be satisfied, and we come to church and we say, bless me, God. I give you 45 minutes to bless me. Entertain me, Lord. If I'm not entertained, I'm going to go somewhere else. Lord, these people better change the way they talk to me. Don't they know who they're talking to? Paul, for the last few chapters, has been saying, others, others, others. The only thing you're bringing is problems. Jesus is God the Father in the flesh. He is a member of the triunity, the hypostatic union, if you really want to get fancy. The three in one. And he says, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And when he descended from the throne room of God and he came into a flesh and he dwelt in this planet, he served others. He himself was never served. He didn't go out seeking praise. He gave himself as a ransom for many, preaching truth, healing, sharing, and then ultimately giving his life as a ransom for sin that we all might be saved. And he is our example. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And ultimately, when you came here this morning, were you seeking communion with God? Were you seeking fellowship with the Lord? Did you want to hear from the Lord and worship him? Or were you seeking yourself to be blessed? Oh, Lord, 45 minutes. You better get to it. I don't know if Pastor Mike's got it. I don't. <laughs> Anything good in me comes from the Lord. And so what is meat being offered unto idols? What is this problem even? It's a people problem. Well, Paul's going to continue now in verses 18 through 22. Observe Israel after the flesh. Are not those who eat of the, of the sacrifices partaker of the altar? What am I saying then? That an idol is anything? Or what is offered to idols is anything? Rather, that the thing which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. And I do not want you to have fellowship with demons. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and of the table of demons. Or do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? Well, the answer to are we stronger than he is a resounding no. He is outside of time and space greater than all things. Now, 
there are demonic forces. We know that an idol is nothing. An idol is just a, uh, a statue, a man-made thing, but we know that there's demonic forces that can influence those things. That being said, we know we are not to be of this world. We are not to love the world or the things in it. The Bible says we're to be out of this world, living for him and for a future kingdom. Now, there is a fallen one, and he does cause chaos. Ephesians 6, the fiery darts of the wicked one, we are in a spiritual war. That being said, is he greater than God? No. Are we greater than God? Absolutely not. You cannot be defeated by spiritual forces. You cannot be overcome by Satan. You cannot be taken by him. You cannot be defeated by him because he cannot defeat the Lord. In, in James 4, 7, it says, Therefore, submit to God, emphasis on submitting to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You can't be beaten. Now, I see it uh, as a problem. There are a few people, and I hate to lecture everyone for a few, but they see demons in everything. Everything is satanic. There's a demon in every bush, they say. You know, my, my tire was flat on the way to work. It was Satan. I did this bad thing. Satan made me do it. Demons did this. Demons did that. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, he can't make you do anything that you're not willing to do yourself. It, greater is he that is in you than is in the world. Don't believe me? 1 John 4.4. 4. You are of God, little children and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world and God has overcome him and we have to be careful to take any focus off of God I already told you you bring all your own problems with you right and then on top of that we want to blame the dark one the evil one the fallen one but can you get into trouble when you're walking with the Lord? See, when you're fellowshipping with the Lord, when you're seeking after him, you, you can't be overcome by the things of this world. The apostles, when do they always get in trouble? When they're away from the Lord. And when they do cause trouble with the Lord, he always corrects them. He always puts them on a right path. If you're here this morning and I mentioned marijuana and you started squirming in your chair, it's hard to be close to the Lord and seeking after him and praying and being fellowship and being others-centered and to still be tempted. If you were getting queasy and you were looking around to see if anyone was looking at you and I mentioned alcohol and its temptation, or maybe it's just gossip. Maybe it's just whatever thing that is in your way. The answer is found in communion with Jesus Christ. When we are the problem, you cannot find the answer in yourself. It comes on focusing on him. Now, we talked about people problems, right? The Corinthian church was full of people problems. The backbiting, the arguing, the separating, the, oh, they said this, and they said that, and they ate dinner. Oh, and he ate bacon, and he ate bacon from the idol store. Oh, he's not spiritual. I'm the spiritual one. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, wait a minute. That sounds like a lot of places I know. Yes, wherever there's people, you have these problems. And Paul is completely changing the subject by saying, yeah, but if we have fellowship with God, if that's what we're here for, then everything changes when you're living for others. See, how many times have you come, how many times do you have that argument in the shower? 
you know, that conversation with someone, you're not even talking to them. It's not even real. You're making it up in your own mind. I would never have an argument with Megan in the shower. I'm totally just making this up. And then you're saying, okay, well, she's going to say that, and I'm going to say this, and then she's going to say that, and I'm going to say this. And it could be your coworker, your boss, somebody in the church, a spouse, a kid, whoever. And you're having this entire made-up conversation. Then you finally get in front of them, and you're like, I already know what you're going to say. Yeah, because you said it for them. You made the whole thing up. You were talking to yourself because we're bringing our own problems. We're insinuating things and we're thinking things. Why did they look at me that way? Why did he talk to me that way? Why did she not text me? Why did she not say, oh, she looked at me this way. He said hello. Why did he say hello with that voice? And it's all self-centered, isn't it? Why don't they treat me different? Listen, if you guys just did everything the way that I want you to do it, life would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? I mean, come on. But we all come with that mentality, and that's what was going on in Corinth. And Paul is saying here, we need to be looking to Jesus. We have communion together, fellowship together, the little C church, which is us, or the big C church, which is the body of Christ, have fellowship in God. We must focus on him, on the things of him, pouring ourselves out. As John the Baptist would say, less of me and more of him that he would be glorified, and you'll see a lot of those issues go away. But, you know, there's people I'm speaking here that have um, crippling anxiety. They have relationship issues here. There are people that are causing the relationships <laughs> issues here. We have people that are very assertive, people that are very passive. We have all these problems, and they all would be solved if we just focused on the Lord and walking with him. We see that we're no different than the Corinthian church, and the Corinthian church is no different than us. Well, let's read together verses 23 through 28. And Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Verse 24 is your highlight verse for this morning. Let no one seek his own, but each one the other's well-being. Eat whatever, whatever is sold in the meat market, asking no questions for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. If any of those who do not believe invites you to dinner and you desire to go, eat whatever is set before you, asking no questions for conscience' sake. I got no problems there. Verse 28. But if anyone says to you, this was offered to idols, do not eat it for the sake of the one who told you for th- and for conscience' sake. For the earth is the Lord's in all its fullness. Excuse me. (coughs) I got a dry throat because I was talking about donuts first service, and guess what I had in between services? (laughs) (coughs) Others. Others, 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 others. It's not about you. It's not about how people treat you. It's not about how we entertain you. It's not about us prospering you. It's not about us making the best version of you. This is 100% about communion with God and being obedient and following after him. What does the word say? And that's what we want to do. Paul says, let no one seek his own. And unfortunately, too many people come to church, and that's exactly what they're after. Bless me, prosper me, change me, entertain me, or I'm going somewhere else. Okay, bye. Because we want people 
that are passionate about seeking after God. And none of us is that person unless he changes us to do it because we have to new, a new creation, a new being to do so. And so we just want to follow after him and be wherever he's at. And, and so I have a word especially for those who are serving in the ministry. You are in the logistics side of it. You're getting things done. You're making it possible. Week in and week out, you're pouring yourself out. That is not communion with God. You're going to wear out. And you're going to wonder why nobody cares about you and no one's going out of their way to congratulate you, especially here. Nobody's high-fiving you on the way in. Oh, great job with the soundboard. We didn't hear anything. No. Nope. <laughs> it's going to be like, oh, yeah, the video cut out. Oh, the sound peaked. Oh, that new microphone he's got, it ain't working. You guys should fix that. <coughs> we need to be like the Lord. We need to spend time with Jesus and have communion with him because left to ourselves, we are the problem. And we need him to change us. And we need to be thinking about how to bless and serve others. And how do we bless and serve them? By bringing them to the Lord. We have to get away from this mentality of what's in it for me and into the mentality of how can I glorify the Lord? You see, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, then you need to be obedient to what he says in Luke 9.23 when he says, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and and take up his cross daily and follow me. Not Sundays. Daily pick up the cross and follow after me. How, how could you say, I'm following after the Lord daily and picking up my cross when it's, well, did you see the way that person looked at me? Oh, did you see the way, he didn't shake my hand. He said hello, but he didn't shake my hand. What a jerk. Oh, the seats in there are brown. That's not a real church. Me, 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 me. And Paul is kicking it back and saying, hey, remember when we talked about money, when we talked about food, when we talked about being married, when we talked about relationships, anything I do, I want to do for the glory of the gospel and of Jesus Christ. I want him to be magnified, not me. And so if you want to live a victorious Christian life as a disciple of Christ, you must remember these words in Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Get rid of the problem, child. You. But Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. He is our example. And what does he do? He gave himself for you, and we're to give ourselves for him. In Romans 12, it says to be a living sacrifice for him. Every breath we breathe, everything that we do, if you're focused in fellowshipping with God, a lot of those problems will begin to disappear. A lot of those issues you struggle with, a lot of those conversations in the shower with that person that doesn't even exist. I just want to make sure we're crystal clear. You're talking to yourself. Will disappear when you're talking to the Lord. Just a side note. Next time you're doing that, just pray instead. It's way more productive than arguing with an imaginary person. See, the Corinthian church is divided in many ways, but they will be united by the Spirit of God and following after our Lord. And we will do the same for us in the Little C Church and the Big C Church. The only thing that can change us and unify us is a desire to seek after and fellowship with God on our own. But if we continue to be self-seeking, self-serving, self-centered people, your problems 
are never going to go away. And then you start looking and you, you're like, oh, wow. Maybe this thing doesn't work. Maybe this church thing is just not real. Maybe God's not real. Because you're, again, not following him. You're following yourself. And therein is where all the, pro- the problems lie. We must deny ourselves and live for others. Living for others. It's exactly the opposite of everything that we've been taught as a, from being a child to today, isn't it? Well, let's read verses 29 through 33. Con- conscience, I say, not your own, but that of the other. For why is my liberty judged by another man's conscience? But if I partake with thanks, why am I evil spoken of for the food over which I give thanks? Therefore, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God, just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, that they might be saved. Do all things to the glory of God. You know, I, I want to be very careful. This portion of scripture, I think it just speaks for itself. It doesn't require much commentary. Not seeking your own profit. And we must crucify the flesh in its lust thereof. We must daily pick up the cross and follow after him. And we must make decisions and live our lives for the glory of God instead of our own glory. You think about a a younger generation today. I I think this generation, more than any other, is living for the glory of itself. I mean, it's just cameras everywhere. Every one of them is the star of their own movie. They think everything revolves around them. But then we look back a little closer and we realize all generations are really the same, aren't they? All the same. Because only Jesus Christ can change us, only He can make us a new creature a new creation that desires to seek after him. And every single day, like it says in Galatians 2, we must die daily to ourselves. Seek and you shall find, ask and you shall receive. He will not hold himself back from you. But are you truly seeking after the Lord? Remember those verses in Malachi, it would be better to shut the doors than to offer him these fake, cast off, half done offerings singing these songs, worshiping, reading, if we're all just going to continue to be self-centered. Lord, create in me a new heart. Change us. And we must remember, to those of us who say we are followers of Christ, what Jesus says in Luke 14, 27. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For all our talk and all our bravado, and all our arrogance and pride, if we don't pick up our cross and die to ourselves, Jesus says we cannot be his disciple. I want to be his disciple. As for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. Seeking after him, dying to ourselves, being challenged every day because I bring my problems wherever I go. They're in the six inches between these two ears. And so do you. But we have to crucify the flesh and its lust there. We have to fight that fight. And that's why 
I love that verse in Galatians 2 that says this life that we live, we live in the flesh. The flesh isn't going away. It's dead, but it's still there. But we have to carry that cross and follow after him, denying ourselves and living for others because to follow Jesus is to follow God. If you've seen him, you have seen the Father. Jesus is the solution to all of our problems, and we have communion with him because he died and rose again and gave us his spirit that dwells in us. So let's go and do that. Follow the master. Seek after communion and fellowship with him and see how your life changes. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the writings of Paul through your Holy Spirit to the Corinthian church, Lord. We thank you that your word never returns void and never changes. And I pray that we would live our lives for your glory and not for our own, empty of of ourselves. I pray for those that are here, Lord, that are praying this prayer for the first time, that you fill them with your spirit, guide and direct them, and give them that hunger and thirst for righteousness, Lord. We don't seek you apart from you. I pray, Lord, for those of us that have been a disciple but maybe have come off the path or leaning a little to the left or the right, just draw us close to yourself, Lord. In your presence, we are made new. And I pray, Lord, that we would have great victory in you throughout this week, glorifying your name and lifting up others as we deny ourselves in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we are available for prayer up here to share stories with you, introduce ourselves. Uh, God bless you and have a wonderful week.